All right, well, this morning we look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 uh, through 31. So if you would please uh, find a copy of God's Word. It's on page 2 of the Pew Bibles in front of you. And as a reminder, if you don't have a Bible of your own, we would love to give you one. There's a stack of them uh, as you leave the back double doors this morning, and we invite you to take one. Well, as you're able, if you'll please stand for the reading of God's holy and inerrant Word. We're looking at Genesis chapter 1, starting at verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and every other creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female, He created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the earth, of all, excuse me, on the face of all the earth, and every tree with its seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, would you please in this these next moments, um, quiet in our hearts and prepare us to receive the preaching of your word, that you would give us focus and that we would see, sir, Christ very clearly. In the name of Jesus, amen. Please be seated. I put before you this morning two options. And these options have incredibly important implications. The first option is that mankind emerged on the world scene only after many millions and billions of years, driven not by any force or according to any plan, but rather by impersonal random chance. It would have been chance that led the first single-cell organisms in the primordial soup of the waters of the earth 3.7 billion years ago to begin to mutate and to mutate again and again and again in a path to humanity that included worms, fish, lizards, monkeys, and apes. That's option one. Or option two that God made man directly in His image and in His likeness. Now, my intention this morning is not to ridicule those who believe in evolution. Uh, Many in our society do, and it's important to be able to engage on those topics. We're going to spend a Wednesday night talking about that soon. Uh, But the the thing I want to mention this morning is that there are implications, uh, huge implications, that come from these two options. If mankind simply is the current species that developed 
in what is an unfinished path of development. Evolution is not done. It means that there's nothing special about you. There's nothing special about humanity. To quote an atheist, Carl Sagan, he said, We find ourselves in a bottomless freefall, lost in great darkness, and there's no one to send out a search party. That's a hopeless statement if I've ever heard one. Lost in great darkness. Don't you remember the words of, of John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, who said that a sunrise shall, rise, shall visit us from on high to us who are sitting in the darkness, in the shadow of death? Or another famous atheist, Bill Nye, the science guy. We are just a speck on a speck, orbiting a speck among other specks. Now, everyone likes to be special. But it actually is important that there is something special about humanity. If, if evolution is correct, then there's nothing that separates us from the animal world. In the end, man is just an animal, one of countless other animals. And if that's true, then we aren't accountable to anybody, and there is no morality. And really, whoever is the strongest does get to make the rules. If we're just animals, then the euthanasia, the killing of the infirm, the elderly, or the disabled would be completely acceptable because there's no intrinsic, there's no value to human life. If we're just animals from a long line of animals, then the standards of justice are just what society decides rather than having any real standard of right and wrong. If we're just animals and there is nothing wrong with using and manipulating other people, if there's nothing between us and animals, then what's the difference between us and a yellowfin tuna? Why is it okay that we kill tuna to feed people, but that we don't kill people to feed to tuna. Okay, that's rather ridiculous, isn't it? But it gets to a very important uh, point. But of course, our experience tells us something completely different. Just from the fact that we've been made in the image of God, whether someone accepts the Word of God or not, human experience says that, that none of that can be true. Of course we know that there is a standard of justice out there. Just hit somebody in the face. They're going to respond with their own version of justice, won't they? Of course there's a standard of justice out there. There is something called righteous indignation because something stronger than the laws of man have been transgressed. We know that justice is real. Because, excuse me, people universally, not just Christians, everybody experiences guilt on some level. Just look at the rates of alcohol and drug abuse, seeking to cope with feelings of failure. There are some amazing animals out there, aren't there? Uh, some of them are in your homes. But show me the animal that has built a spacecraft and traveled to the moon. Show me that one. Show me the animal that... Uh, that uses language beyond a few signals. I know dolphins have amazing communication skills. It's amazing what God has created. But you know that dolphins have never written a poem. 
or written a Shakespearean play? Which of the impulse, which of the animals have an impulse to help others by giving away their scarce resources? Have you seen a skyscraper that was designed by a monkey or a labradoodle? Which of the fish species has a court system to try those who transgress their laws and then treat those who transgress their laws as if they have rights? Or which of the large cats have constructed elaborate systems of, of government, education, and volunteer organizations? Which of the animals looks to the heavens and says, Why am I here? What was I made for? And where did I come from? We all recognize that there's a difference between humanity and animals. We can feel it in many ways that we can't fully explain it. But the Bible has a name for it, and it's called the image of God. God is the one who designed and executed the differences when He made both the land animals and humanity on the sixth day of creation. He made all the animals and the fish and the birds according to their kinds, Genesis 1 says. But, but when we get to man, he says, let us make man in our image. There's something different there. So this morning we look at what's different. We look at what's called the image or the likeness of God. Every person, man, woman, and child who has ever lived, whether evil or wicked or good or righteous, whether white, black, poor, or rich, any category, everyone has been an image bearer of God. So what does that mean? Well, first, we must say that it doesn't mean physical representation. We don't look like God. How do we know that? How do we know that we don't look like God? Well, Numbers chapter 23 says God is not a man. God is not a man. There you go. Uh, we're, we don't look like God. We're also told in John chapter 4 that God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Well, if the image of God doesn't mean that we don't look like God, then what does it mean? As one commentator put it very well, it means that God has made man to be a reflection of His spiritual nature. That man is a reflection of God's spiritual nature. He has given us certain attributes that he has that he has not also given to the animals. These are called his communicable attributes. These attributes that we share with him. We are able to know things. We will live forever, either in heaven or hell. These are things that, that aren't given to animals. God has shared with us precious things and given us a task of ruling over His creation. He is king and we are His royal governors. Historically, uh, theologians have divided up uh, or sought to explain what the image of God is in three different categories. The first is that we are persons, that we are persons, or, or we might say in modern parlance, we're people, we're people. Now think about this, who created us? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is one God in three what? Help me out. Persons, right? The Father is distinct from the Son, and the Son is distinct from the Holy Spirit. Yet the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. I know that's tough to understand. You, you, you figure it out and come tell me how it works, please, right? 
We, we worship a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit each are persons. And when He created us, He made us persons in ways that dogs are not people. And that apes are not people. Fish are not people. We may love them, but there's something different. Because we were made to have a personal relationship with God. And in order to have a personal relationship with a person, you must be, I know this is tough, a person. You must be a person in order to have a relationship with another person. So God has made us people. This, by the way, we can feel this. Whether or not it's hard to nail these things down. These are abstract thoughts. But this is why it is wrong to kill your family to feed to a tuna. But it's okay to kill a tuna to feed your, your family. That's why. Because tuna are not people. But people are people. God has given us the ability to know things. To know things about Him. You know, even the smartest animal in the world, apparently, is the orang- orangutan. He cannot know the meaning of life understand the complexities of gravity, and he doesn't care about either one of them. But that's not, when it come, that's not true when it comes to us. Aren't you curious about things? Isn't there an itch somewhere in you that wants to know things about certain things? This is what the Discovery Channel is all about. right? Because we're curious about the world that is around us, and that's because we are made in the image of God. Well, second, we are moral creatures. Moral creatures. You know, yellowfin tuna, uh, they may kill, but that's different uh, than us killing, isn't it? Uh, Gerald Bray, a professor who, who actually preached my installation service here, he likes to say about this topic, if my dog bites you, that's a problem. If I bite you, that's a different thing altogether, isn't it? Right, because we are moral creatures, and what we do matters and has eternal consequences. Where any other animal, it does not have eternal consequences because we alone will live for eternity. Part of being made in God's image is that God created Adam and Eve entirely righteous and holy. They were made like Him morally. Now, of course, that has been broken. But everybody, everybody has a sense of the divine. Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever here, you know in the depths of your heart that there is a God. There may be many who repress that and say, no, no, that's not true. But let me tell you what Jesus said. Let me tell you about what the Word of God says in in Romans chapter 2. Talking about unbelievers, they show the work of the law is written... On their hearts. While their conscience, there's, everybody has a conscience. While their conscience bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse them. Everybody knows there's right and wrong. Why is that? Because we are made in God's image. You know, we, are, we find a couple places in God's word about why it's bad to sin against your neighbor. Have you ever thought about that? Why is it not okay if you're stronger than the other person, just do whatever you want. If you can get away with it, right? This is kind of how our world operates. If I can get away with it, it's okay. 
But God's word says something else. Genesis 9, 6, after the flood, God says, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. That's why it's bad to kill people. Because God made everyone in the image of God. James 3, 9, speaking of how we use our tongue and our speech, we read, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the image of God. So being made in the image of God, first, uh, we are persons. Second, we have morality. Third is that God created us spiritual beings. Spiritual beings. What does that mean? There's a difference between us and fluffy. Okay, There really is. And that we have souls. And we were made not just body, but also souls. We have spirits within us. Ecclesiastes 3.11 puts it this way, God has put eternity into man's heart. Even someone who says they don't believe in God knows inside them that there really is something after death. That there are eternal consequences uh, for actions. Now here's the amazing thing. We, We can observe this. Which of our pets worships God? None of them do. They might bring God glory by being dog and cat or fish because they're doing what they were designed to do. But it is only people who get to worship God. Why? Because we are spiritual beings. And according to John chapter 4, if God is spirit, then we must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now, here's the thing. When Adam and Eve sinned, Things changed, didn't they? And so I ask you a question. Did mankind lose the image of God when Adam and Eve sinned? Let me answer for you. The answer is no. The answer is no. But it was marred. It was was dulled. One commentator likens to this. He says it's kind of like a car windshield that's broken. Right, it's been smashed with a baseball bat. You can still see through it, but it no longer functions to its fullest abilities. But here's the good news. Because there's hope for marred bearers of God's image like you and me. Because one of the things that Jesus came to do was to restore and the renewal of creation, and the renewal of His image bearers rather than their destruction. And how did He do this? The one who made humanity in His image, He became an image bearer. He was born as a man and became made in the image of God. Now that's, wow. God and man in Christ. The image giver and the image bearer, in order that He might restore us to how we were meant to be. When we read Romans 8.29, we read that we are uh, predestined to be conformed to the image of God's Son. Alright, so those are the theological things. Those are some tough topics. I understand this is a this is, this is one of those really hard texts to get your head around. What does this mean for everyday life, though? 
I would like to say that this has some of the most profound meaning in our cultural moment today in which many other doctrines uh, have less of a close connection. Uh, Notice when God created man in His image. Look at verse 27 again. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Why is it, why is it that the biblical ethic of sexuality and gender is true? One, that's what the Bible says. Two, it is part and parcel of how God made humanity. Within humanity, within the image of God, there is male and female. And when God makes a soul, He makes it a male soul or a female soul. And just as when we go against the operating instructions or the design of our appliances at home and their problems, so too when we get the created order messed up, there are implications for our life. Second, it means that all human life has value. Isn't that good news? To sin, why is that? Because when we sin against someone, we're not just sinning against that person. We're sinning against someone who is bearing the image of their God. And therefore, to use our words in a harsh way, in a hurtful way, in a manipulative way, we are not just sinning against that person. Ultimately, all sin is against God. This is what makes the Holocaust so bad, Holocaust so bad that so many image bearers would be slaughtered. We can say the same thing about abortion. We think about when we get the image of God messed up in our minds, when we think we're just animals, then we have atheistic dictators rise like Stalin, who didn't see life as valuable. And do you know how many people Stalin killed? We don't actually have a good count. Best count is 25 million directly, and more than that, uh, by famine. Or Mao, Mao Zedong, uh, Chinese dictator. Uh, best count, 40 to 80 million people. Right? Self-consciously an atheist who did not see life as valuable. Or Hitler, 6 million Jews. Uh, probably 27 million people died in Soviet Russia directly because of the Nazis. These are just, these are, these numbers are hard to even grasp. And these were done at the hands of atheists. Yes, religion, religious wars, there have been a lot of bad things, religious wars, right? The Crusades, mixed, right? There are political reasons too, but when the, when the, the streets ran with blood in the first crusade in Jerusalem with all the Muslims who were killed, that was not a good day, right? Not good. But let's talk about all those who have been killed at the hands of atheists. Because the image of God, the value of man, was lost. It also means that all people are equal. Now, those are close to each other, but there's a little bit of difference. What do I mean by that? Well, no one person has been given more of the image of God than someone else. No one is more equal than anyone else. There is equality across the board. 
This means that white people and black people and brown people and poor people and rich people are equal and always have been, no matter what the law says. Finally, it means that our walk with Jesus matters. Because when God saves us, it's not that we can stay like we are. We are declared righteous before Him. Our sins are wiped away, washed away. We are cleansed with the blood of Jesus. We receive the righteousness of God just as our Savior received our sins upon Himself at the cross. But there still remains within us much sin and much fight with the flesh. Aren't you tired of dealing with temptation? I know I am. And so God has a plan for our lives that we would become more and more like Jesus. It would be conformed to the image of God. That it would begin to be restored to us. It won't be perfect until we go to heaven or Christ comes again. But listen to what uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord, listen to this, are being transformed... If you are a Christian and you are seeking Christ, you are being transformed. You were transformed in your salvation. You are being transformed now in your daily walk into the same image. The image of God, the image of Christ from one degree of glory to another. This means our walk with Jesus matters. He desires for us to be transformed, to be renewed daily. How do we land this plane? We began by highlighting two different options when it comes to understanding humanity. Either we came from animals and therefore are animals and there's nothing special about us. Or we've been made specially by God as His image bearers and therefore have dignity, value, and worth. Now here's the thing. We are so special to God that when we rebelled, God would come to earth. Instead of just wiping out all of His image bearers, He was not content to be glorified by our destruction. But rather that God would become man, that His image bearers, those who have turned against Him, you and me, that we might have our sins forgiven, our transgressions covered, that He might not count our iniquities against us because our iniquities were counted against Him. And one day, one day, we will find rest beyond the river. We will find rest in the new heavens and the new earth. And we will perfectly reflect the glory of God. We will perfectly reflect and be perfect image bearers of God. We sit down at the great wedding feast of the Lamb and rejoice with all our brothers and sisters who have lived from the very beginning. And we will worship our God. We will adore Him for what He has done. Will you be there on that day? Will you be there on that day? It is appointed to man to die once. And then comes the judgment. You have an an appointment with death. Will you bear your own sin on that day? Or will Christ already borne it for you? For those who repent of their sins and put their faith in Christ Jesus, we will hear those, those words, 
well done, good and faithful servant. And we will live with God forever. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for this great plan of redemption, of restoration that you are doing even now. We pray that your kingdom would come here as it is in heaven, even as we pray for the day when heaven invades earth. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.